Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Hello, everyone. Here is my disclaimer. Any information discussed in this interview may not be the views of the station or host. Please discuss any information with your primary care physician. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where our mantra to educate, enlighten, and entertain. Folks, you're going to want to listen to my guest today, as I think you should listen to all my guests, because they are all phenomenal, if I have to say so myself. My guest today is Lisa Carmichael. She is multi-talented. She is a mastermind facilitator, entrepreneur, published author, marketing professional, and she wrote the book, I Have Time For You, which has five-star reviews on Amazon.com. It is a book of weekly affirmations to help you find confidence. And don't we all need that? I know I do. So I want to welcome Lisa Cormile to chatting with, Cormichael to chatting with Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Happy to be here. Thanks for the Hi, Lisa. Uh, you're welcome. My pleasure to have you here. Uh, we have a lot in common that um, we have found out in our yeah. conversations. And I'm going to um, want to ask you about your book, first of all, because uh, I always ask all the authors this, as to what motivated you to write your, your book, The Weekly Affirmations. My book, my motivation with my book, you know, I, I wasn't the person that all my life I, I dreamt of becoming an author. It was something that became because of a result of a mastermind group that I was invited to. So I was in this mastermind group I was invited to. I actually had to apply to be in the group because I was running my digital marketing business. And I was sitting next to these amazing entrepreneurs who were changing the world. And I knew I had to step up to the plate. And at the time, I was keeping a journal. I was writing daily affirmations. I was trying to change the programming in my head to one that said that I was good enough to be in a mastermind group like this, that I was good enough to write a book. I was good enough to become a published author. And with my daily writing, I decided, well, actually someone suggested, they were like, Lisa, why don't you write a book? And I was like, no, 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 that would be just not me, too much work. And after I poo-pooed it, I realized that I did have something going for me. I did have my journal. And when I transcribed it, I looked online to see how many words I needed for a 300-page manuscript, and I think it was like 50,000 words, and I'm like, well, I can do that. <laughs> and, and I just <laughs> kept writing. Yeah, and I just kept writing, and I kept typing, and I found a publisher, I found an editor, and it just was, everything fell together the way it was meant to be. And I'm so proud of the fact that I became a published author because now I get to put that title after my name that I am Lisa Carmichael, I'm the owner of Epic Mastermind and published author. I don't know. It's It feels good to me. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations. I, you know what, Lisa, what you said, 
I think everyone uh, feels that way. I know I do. And I'm always honest with my audience because I'm an open book. I think the same thing. Oh, I'm not good enough mm-hmm. to talk to that person. I even think sometimes, what am I doing having a talk show host? <laughs> I mean, being a talk show host. Um, what, am I, what was I thinking? What am I thinking? Am I good enough to talk to these people? I hear other people <clears throat> do interviews, and I'm like, I don't sound like that. I don't sound like <laughs> they do. Um, yeah. And then, oh, you know, I, I have to think to myself, we all should be brave enough to step into our power, our authentic selves. And I know, you know, we're going to talk about mental health, and this is part of mental health. This is mental health. Uh, it is. It nope. really is. You know, and interestingly just, enough, Betsy, I was mm-hmm. going to those meetings, and we would go on breaks, and I would step into the ladies' restroom, and I would do breathing exercises. I would be like, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't need to understand. I will be okay. Everything will be okay. I mean, I was practicing what I was writing, and I would go back into those meetings. No one would know the difference, but I just felt stronger because I was starting to tell myself good things instead of those negative recordings that that kept going on and on through my mind in those moments like you're describing even for yourself. Yes, and I was just reading about imposter syndrome. Was it yesterday mm-hmm. or this week? And I'm thinking, you know what? I had that. <laughs> <laughs> I had that. I think. Uh, I mean, and I've been doing this for three years. I was on Jeannie White's show, uh, who's the manager, uh, station manager. I started on her show when she was doing the um, caregiver series, and you know, and. Jeannie said, Betsy, I think you should have your own show. I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I, <laughs> I question sometimes, what am I doing? Like, interviewing some of these people that I'm interviewing. Like, I'm not, I feel like I'm not to that level. But yet, I, I shouldn't feel that way. I, and then I have to say to my, I have to talk to myself and say, Betsy, you are good enough to talk to, you know, these people. Uh, yeah, um, you are. You know, I had a a lady in my mastermind group that she would always say, well, I'll try. Like we would talk about what we were willing to commit to for the following week. And almost every time she would say, well, I will try to reach out to my vendor this week. And we worked really hard on having her take that word out of her vocabulary, that word and that, that should word when we take those words out of our vocabulary, so instead of I will try to reach out to my vendor, I will reach out to my vendor. And more of an authoritative wording, and then that try, it's not trying isn't anything. It's I will. It's those I will statements that, that will make a difference. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does, because I look at the mirror and I say to myself, you are going to do this interview with you know this particular person, and you will not get out of the ball field. You can do it, and you need to own it. And I have right. to actually talk myself, um, you know, in into it. I was watching Don Rickles 
he was uh, for those who don't know Don Rickles is yes, I am yeah. aging myself. He was a uh comedian. Well he didn't consider himself a comedian, but he was a great at what he did. He would insult people but he never really meant to hurt anyone. I mean his the comedy today wouldn't it wouldn't go, but it did back then when <laughs> yeah. he started. And mm-hmm. I remember watching a clip and he said something that really stuck with me, Lisa. He said that he knew that he was different, and his father told him that you are different, and you, when you go out on that stage, you have to believe in what you're doing, because if you don't believe in yourself, then your audience isn't going to believe in you. You have mm-hmm. to have the confidence to go out there and do it. And I have listened to other celebrities, and they are very shy off stage mm-hmm. and they get mm-hmm. stage fright so I'm like well I'm not the only one who feels that way and actually one of the reasons of chatting with Betsy is uh Lisa's for people to know they're not alone we all uh feel I think the same way I mean I used to think oh am I the only one who has stage fright before I turn on the microphone I'm not there's a lot of people who, who do and I think that's part of <clears throat> mental health and uh, I'm a very big mental health advocate, as people who are familiar with me know that. And i very big on saying, if you need help, it is not a weakness to ask for help. It's a sign of strength. And mm-hmm. I really, you know, like people to know that, you know, sometimes in our life, we all need help. We might have to take mm-hmm. an antidepressant. And I wish, Lisa, that the stigma of mental health would go away. I wish people would not judge other people who go for counseling, mm-hmm. who have to take medication. Because, you know what, I, I, I say, you know what, therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Because you don't know what life has for you. And life could give you a punch, and you might find yourself in a therapist or counselor's office. So <laughs> it don't, you know, don't judge because you just don't know um, what's going to happen. Oh, but what I would agree. you like to talk about with mental health? I agree Excuse with me. you on that because, you know, my son is on the autism spectrum, and I worked for an organization. I did a volunteering position with the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And when I would walk into homes that I was a parent advocate, so I would help other parents who had newly diagnosed mental health in their family because I could relate to them. But I know that I could never walk in their shoes. I could never fully understand what they were going through because every one situation is so unique and it's it's hard to understand someone who has a mental health diagnosis what they're going through because we can't even understand someone who is not going through (laughs) an issue so to judge someone because of a diagnosis really it's just not fair um, we understand we're, we are all created differently and we understand each other differently. For me, when my 
sweet little boy who was two years old when we had him diagnosed and we found out he was on the autism spectrum my my world was was shattered here I was a, a brand new mom thinking my world is finally coming together I've got everything is going great but he just wasn't at the same level and just like you said I had to get past that shame and I had to reach out for help I had to speak up for him I had and if it mm-hmm. would not have been for early intervention and talking to his teachers talking to his daycare and talking to people he would not be working for the Minnesota Twins and guest services today at 25 and he wouldn't be able to drive down a highway I truly believe that if we're willing to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable and say you know something just isn't right this just he's just not at the same level I truly believe that's what has made the hugest difference for him so um, yeah he's He's a wonderful young man, and he's just not at the same level. And that's okay. We're all different. We are all unique. So. Yes, yes. I'll, I could relate, Lisa, because my son, Josh, is on the autistic spectrum. And okay. I knew something, you know, was a mess. When Josh was six months old, I just thought that something wasn't right. He looked like mm-hmm. he was in his own world. Right. And he was delayed. <clears throat> He, I knew he wasn't um, up to what the other children were doing. And, yes, everyone does develop different different rates, but there's, you know, there's milestones and mm-hmm. what should be met at a certain time. And he, you know, was, he was globally delayed. And um, my parents uh, said, you know, you're looking for trouble. The pediatrician yeah. said I was overprotective mother, you know, of course, blame mm-hmm. it on the mother. Um, mm. and it took until, I mean, I took it to a neurologist and they gave all different diagnoses. It was when Josh was going to go into, um, middle school that, uh, the township told me to take him to their, uh, pediatrician, developmental pediatrician. And he said that Josh was on the spectrum. And I said, well, why didn't they tell me that so many years ago when I paid it like, at then 150 bucks, $175 for a mm-hmm. visit? And he said, uh, they didn't know back then what they know now. And right. knowledge, yeah. folks, is power. Mm-hmm. And I was right. And I, I tell people all the time, Lisa, that when you think, and I think – Everyone should go by their gut instinct. That's what I have always went by, and I also mm-hmm. worked as a nurse, so I, I do have that training. But if you think there's something that isn't right with your child or yourself or your husband or whoever's in your family, and you don't agree with the doctor, you have a right to go for another opinion mm-hmm. and keep going for opinion until you get peace of mind about it because mm-hmm. your gut, will lead you. I, I really mm-hmm. believe that. Um, did, with your son, that, did, did you question the pediatrician? Did they listen to you? You know, we were very fortunate. Everyone <laughs> was very understanding. There was still a lot of things that we didn't know. The other piece of it was 
my husband was in the military, so we did not have health insurance that would cover mental health. And so fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, we never put, we never had Paul on any medication. Um, we just never, it, he, it wasn't part of our insurance plan. And so we navigated everything through therapy, through talking through things. And, I mean, we had some angry years. He, his middle school years were pretty tough, and they were beat, um, <laughs> rolling, punching, um, tears. I mean, they were tough, tough years. And, and our other two children, we didn't have that. So he's, he was definitely different. And we, yeah, and we had to find people that matched his personality, too. It wasn't not only that, but it was trying to find people that he could resonate with. And, you know, with autism, they're so quirky. They're so, Mm -hmm. you know, they're high functioning, but yet they have these little idiosyncrasies that you just don't understand and you can't figure out how to tap into them. And, you know, back then, he only wanted to wear shorts. And everyone else had a problem with it. We didn't have a problem with it. He didn't have a problem with it. But his classmates did. His teachers did. The other parents did. And they were judging him. And, you know, I had more difficulty with that than finding the right resources, medical help. I guess we were fortunate in that. Yeah, yeah. That's a well. That's a big issue too, um, and I think that's part of mental health is uh, bullying. You know, in, in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My son was uh, bullied. I mean, Josh will be thirty-eight. I know your son is a lot younger than 25. Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the thirteen-year difference. You know, medicine keeps changing, and hopefully, more knowledge uh, well, and acceptance. And more education. And more education, yes. And education mm-hmm. is uh, key. Because once I knew that what Matt, not Matt, uh, what Josh's diagnosis was, I was able to, you know, join a support group, and mm-hmm. and I found out about private schools, Lisa. And so when Josh was going to go to high school, he was not going to go to the high school. Uh, that they had in mind for him. I th- and I told him that. I said, no, no. He's going to go to this high school. It was a special ed, private high school. And I said, you uh-huh. don't have the source, you know, the resources. You took everything away from him in fourth grade when he still needed it. And I said, I'm done. You failed yeah. him. Yes. And you're not going to fail him anymore. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we um, parents of children who have uh, special needs, we have to learn to, to be an advocate. And that's, that's actually where I started and didn't realize I was an advocate because <laughs> yeah. the word wasn't around back then. <laughs> right. right. Um, um, fortunately, I had <coughs> another mom say to me that you have to be your son's number one advocate. You have to advocate for him because nobody else will. And that was the light switch. It was like, okay, I'm going to be his advocate. Now, as he's an adult, it's switched. 
that I have a high-functioning 25-year-old son who I am teaching to be his own advocate, that he has to, this is a skill that just did not come naturally to him. Our other kids, they knew they had to advocate for themselves. They just figured it out. Paul, on the other hand, he's learning that he needs to advocate for himself. Going back to my book, as I'm reaching this empty nest stage, now I'm realizing, oh, yeah, I need to advocate for myself Mm -hmm. because I need to take care of me, and I wasn't doing that by being my kids' mom, by being Paul's mom. It was always about Paul. It was always about advocating for him and me taking the back burner. But, um, yeah, with writing my book, it helped me find that courage to advocate for myself because I think we're afraid to. We don't deserve it, right? Right. Right. We, as moms, always put ourselves uh, last. And uh, I always, I mean, I've said to uh, people, you know, if I don't advocate for Josh, no one else is going to. I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I realized, you know what? My mama bear claws come out. <laughs> yeah. I've become this fierce little uh, woman. <laughs> good. That's good. She needs to come uh, out sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, that prepared me for actually a math situation where I had to be an advocate for my husband. And I... I had to be and not be an advocate for myself with my own health care because the doctors sometimes do not listen and they mm-hmm. don't listen to women, I find, especially. And we need to tell the doctors, you know what? If you don't listen to me, well, I'm going somewhere else. Um, you know, and that's, that's an important message that we need to share for other women to hear. Um, It goes back to that word that you said earlier about belief because, you know, that's belief. Belief comes from knowing without a a doubt that what you believe is true. So there's no room for hesitation. It's either, you know, this is is what's going on. I'm explaining it to you because this is how it is, you know, and belief is is such a great word because it's, it's the acceptance of what you know to be true. And if it's, you know, who who has the stronger belief, it kind of comes down to that sometimes. Yes, and I think you really have to believe in your cause and what you feel is, is right. And I, I tell people all the time, especially in my support group, when you see an injustice being done, you have to speak up. Because if we don't mm-hmm. speak up, there won't be any changes. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the breast cancer survivors, uh, they were the ones. You know, the uh, cancer uh, movement mm-hmm. of, you know, we are not going to tolerate being discriminated against at the workplace because we have cancer. We want treatment. We want a cure. The people who had AIDS, they marched. They said, we want a cure. We want a treatment. And they mm-hmm. weren't afraid to be seen. This is why 
I, I get my soapbox there. This is why I say people who have dementia or the caregivers, we need to show our journey and to to say, you know what, we need to shine a light on this, and we want a cure too or, or a treatment. We need something. And right. I, I just, you know, I just feel like, you know what, I, I never knew that I would be like this. Uh, <laughs> I was so quiet when I was younger. You know, so shy, so quiet. But I, I really, and, and people think, at least uh, people would say to me, Betsy, you were so brave to go in your car to do videos. It wasn't that I was brave. I was mad. I was angry. <laughs> and I had right. to use that. I used that and turned it into a passion. I had turned it into a positive. Uh, but there wasn't anything brave about it. I still don't like being in front of a camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, we change because the, the gap between where we were and where we want to be um, just kind of forces us into choosing a better life or choosing a better experience because the two of the le- two is of the lesser evils or however that expression is, I can't remember. But, you know, it's kind of like how our mind works. It's almost like a subconscious decision. Like, you know, I've had enough. I'm just going to do it this way. You know, you can just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And that's sometimes that's how a decision is made with, whether we want to be quiet or fearful or afraid or, you know, like the breast cancer survivors, they, it was just a matter of I'm done suffering. I'm, I'm done seeing other people suffer. If I can make a difference for someone else, it's time for me to speak up. And that's, that, that's a, a decision that we make because sometimes we're pushed against the wall. Don't you think? Yes. Yes, definitely. I never thought that I would be um, an an advocate or an an activist. I never saw myself as that. You know, and of course people see things in us that we don't see. I never saw myself as a leader when um, my friend uh, Lori uh, Lepore said, Betsy, you got to start your group. Hashtag kick Alzheimer's ass movement. I said, I can't. I'm not a leader. I didn't see myself as a leader. And yet I was, but mm-hmm. didn't see myself as that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, um, life circumstances change us. And I think it's a mindset, Lisa, and this goes back to mental health. You know, people have horrible, horrendous tragedies in their life. And some people use it and made something beautiful out of their life. They started a, a nonprofit, a lot of nonprofits started by people who have had tragedies. People have become, um, you know, counselors, um, entrepreneurs. They're using their tragedy to help other people. And I think it's a mm-hmm. mindset. You know, are we going to let this be um, a, a bitter, be bitter about it and be miserable? Or are we going to say, well, what can I learn here and how can I help someone else with the knowledge that I have from my experience? 
Right, and, right, because that that gap is <coughs> is like how you measure yourself. Because you know when you're struggling, when I was struggling, I would always ask God. I would say to myself, "Okay, what am I here to learn? I'm here to learn something." And it was always a matter of digging deeper. That you know there must be a lesson in this. There's there has to be a reason for this happening. And as I used it on myself, I found myself using that same language on other people. I had a friend that was going through a hard time at, at a job, and I kept she'd come to me every morning, Lisa, I just don't understand how this can be happening. And I'm like, Linda, Linda, tell yourself, I'm here to learn something. There must be something I'm here to learn. There must be something. Because I feel like if you put yourself, um, see yourself fighting for a, a bigger cause, it just helps you understand things a little bit better. It just it allows that experience to be worse <laughs> worth it than that doom and gloom like oh i'm stuck here i'm always going to be stuck here i'm never going to i'm never going to get out of where i'm at yes and there's always you know lessons to be learned and my son uh josh i'll tell you what he was so proud to be a caregiver for his dad he took that job so seriously, and mm-hmm. he was proud. He had a couple of shirts that said, you know, I'm my dad's caregiver. I'm a care- my superpower is caregiving. What's yours? Um, he was very good with his dad. He was more, actually more patient than I was sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he, he did not like it when people made jokes about Alzheimer's. I mean, in our house in private, Yes, we had a sense of humor, and we had a joke, or we'd go crazy, mm-hmm. but right. Josh didn't like hear anyone else um, say anything, but he was so good with, with his dad, and I always said Josh understood Alzheimer's better than so-called intelligent people. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, you know, and, and there again, he just dug into his power. You know, he he didn't have to be that, that powerless victim like, oh, my dad, you know, my poor dad, he's, you know, what are we going to do with him? But he, he stepped up to the plate and he was, he became the caregiver. That's such a neat story. And I'd be proud of him too. I'm proud of him just hearing the story. <laughs> <laughs> he was really, this is really funny. I got to talk about, you know, being an advocate. Mm-hmm. Went to the movies last Saturday with Josh and his friend, and um, his friend didn't get the popcorn. And I said, uh, Nick, you have to say something. And I think he was kind of literally say, I says, I'll go up there with you. And Josh was like, right, Mom? You have to stand up for yourself. You have to be an advocate hey. for yourself. Uh, <laughs> he was telling him, you, you got to speak up. <laughs> You have to, you didn't get it. She get it. <laughs> so I went up there um, with Joshua's friend and I said, you know, he ordered a popcorn and he didn't receive it. And, and he got it to go home. But I said, listen, you're paying $14, $15 for <laughs> your yeah. combo thing. You ought to get it, even if it's to go home. Um, mm-hmm. But I think otherwise he wouldn't have spoken up. And nice. 
you know, I, I know a lot of times people are afraid to, um, you know, say something or, or speak up because of getting, again, getting judged by other people. And, you know, someone told me, um, you know what, Betsy? It's none of your business what other people think of you. And I had okay. finally learned that at the age of 60. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, it took me 60 yeah. years to really grasp that concept. Um, and then, you know, people, we believe the stories that people say about us. We can write our own story. We can rewrite mm-hmm. and flip our beliefs. And that's part of okay. mental health mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, flip that belief. And I actually did a lot of inner work. I was like, you know, but have to write. I am good enough. I had to mm-hmm. flip that. I still, we're all works in progress. And I'm still a work in progress. Aren't we? I still have oh, to yeah. do it. <laughs> Lisa, I what is your business? Of... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I had a conversation with a gal today. Um, her husband was in the army and we talked a little bit about PTSD and how when your husband is gone, your spouse is gone overseas and comes home and how a lot of times, you know, you as the other spouse are dealing with the things that they've gone through while away. And she brought it to my attention, but you also have to remember that the other spouse also may be going through their own type of PTSD. And we you know, often think of it's the person that's being sent away that has the mental, that goes through the mental illness or mental health issues. But we leave the person, we forget about the person that's at home who is also going through their own struggles, their own type of mental dilemma. And I was like, wow, you know, that's so true that we, we always were fixated on one person and we forget what other people are going through. So, I don't know. I just thought of that as you were speaking. I don't know why. Um, I, I think it's <laughs> true with what we were, trying, were sharing today. Because, you know, as, yeah, a, as a parent, you always probably felt alone. You know, no one, and for yes. me, no one understood what I was going through with my son because it was hard for me to, it was embarrassing. It was hard for me to tell other moms and and listen to other moms that their kids were becoming lawyers and now they're getting married and they're doing all these things. And I don't get to say that, but who am I to compare? I can't compare because I know that, again, like I said, my son would not be where he's at if I hadn't advocated for him at the very beginning. So, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So, and yeah, uh, yeah, so I'd like you to tell about your business <laughs> and what you have, um, what you do, how people can get a hold of you, and all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure. And so. I, my business, I'm the owner and creator of Epic Mastermind. So Epic is an acronym that I've kind of leaned into. Uh, Epic being an acronym for the letters evolving because as entrepreneurs, our entrepreneurship has evolved 
especially in um, after COVID, post-COVID. P standing for purpose, that we have to be, we are very purposeful. We have to find passion in what we believe in and what in our service and in our product. And I standing for intentional and K standing for kindness. Instead of a C, epic being lack of clarity, lack of confidence, K meaning kindness because, gosh, the world needs a lot more kindness. And my mastermind is helping female entrepreneurs find success instead of feeling alone, like we were just talking about as the parent, working, being around other parents who just don't understand. Sometimes being an entrepreneur is like being a solo entrepreneur, that we play these mind games with ourselves that we're not good enough. And through Epic Mastermind, it is my group is a small, intimate group of 10 people, and we share we're open, we're vulnerable, we're transparent, and we build each other up so that we can move forward together and be resources so that we can build one each other's business up because everyone's business is, is important. Wow, that sounds um, very, very, very exciting because uh, women especially should build each other up, not tear each other down, and to support each other, you know. Right. I mean, we're in this world now of collaboration and partnerships. It's no longer, it, it benefits no one to take anybody down. So my marketing business has a focus on developing those strong relationships those relationships that we needed with our kids as they were special needs. So using that same concept, developing strong relationships so that we stand out um, from our competition and we're able to manage our reputation, manage our legacies just by being our unique selves and embracing who we are. I love that. I do. I wish I could give you a hug. I love that. <laughs> You're a I virtual hug. I feel it. I feel the love. <laughs> I feel the love, Betsy. Uh, that, is, that is really cool. And, you know, when you were talking about post-traumatic, I, I, I firmly believe this because I know I have it. Caregivers do have post-traumatic stress. It's now being recognized. It wasn't recognized 15 years ago. When I complained about it, that I had it from my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. is recognized now. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, a couple of years ago when I went for grief, uh, started grief counseling after Matt died, uh, and now they are recognizing it. And now more caregivers are being brave, and they're saying, you know what, I'm having difficulty. I think I have post-traumatic stress. Is that possible from caregiving? Yes, it is. Oh, yes. for sure. And, yeah. And... Um, I always say, you know, go for um, counseling. Talk to your primary care physician. Go to your senior center. I get a, uh, grief counseling for free from my senior center. Um, but mm-hmm. if you are not the age of 60 and you can't go to your senior center, ask your health insurance provider. Ask your primary care physician. They can mm-hmm. refer you to a mental health um, care provider. Um, 
Lisa, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, through my website. And I want to add one thing on to that, too. I think sure. we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as entrepreneurs. And we that competitive nature does come out. And that's why reaching out and asking for help like you're doing is, is so important. So you're just being an advocate, advocate by just saying what you've gone through because there was a lot of pressure on you from, from your family, you, you know, with your husband and your son. So you're a tough woman. <laughs> so yeah, my um, website is where you can find me. I, I'm... I'm a social media junkie. I'm on Instagram. I love Instagram. And, but you can find me on my website, and it's my name with my middle initial, and that is lisarcarmichael.com. And you can reach out to me that way. If you read my blog, I'm doing this blogging challenge this month. I'm posting one blog every day in the month of July. So I'm, I really love the world, the online world. There's an online community that I have been with for about five years now, and I have grown so much. And it all started with mindset. It all started with me tapping into becoming a stronger Lisa, becoming a stronger me, so that I could be better for my family, be better for myself, and being better for my business, and making time for all three. And that's why I named my book, I Have Time for You, because we need to show up for ourselves. We need to have time for Betsy. We need to have time for ourselves. So I have time for you. Oh, yes. A hundred percent, especially, you know, I mean, moms, yes, especially if you're a caregiver, Um, I've said this, and I know it sounds harsh when I say it, but I'm a Jersey girl, my father's daughter, and I say it straight up. Um, Self-care is a matter of life and death. Literally, your life, your death. You want to enjoy life during caregiving and after, and you have every right to, you need to take care Mm -hmm. of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't know, you know, if you're listening to this, you don't know how, you need resources, you could contact me. I'd be more than happy to tell you about resources. Um, I have a support group on Facebook. If you're a caregiver you're looking for support, hashtag kick Alzheimer's ass movement. I started that so nobody should ever walk alone during caregiving or after. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to thank you, Lisa, for coming on. You are fantastic. And um, I would encourage anyone listening to you to contact you to join your your epic mastermind. My, yeah, my yes. entrepreneurial powerhouse. Yes, definitely <coughs> reach out. I would be more than happy to share. And Betsy, you're doing a wonderful job of reaching out and letting people know that you're available. So I, I'm honored to be with you today, and I'm honored to know you, and I know you're a wonderful person to put on this broadcast because you're reaching so many people. It's, you know, now it's, in today's world, it's who are we helping and how can we help and how, you know, how many more people can we help? Yes, you're doing yes, it. That's, that, thank you. 
Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. I'm going to get choked up here. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're so kind. That's, that's <laughs> very nice of you. Very sweet. It's my pleasure to have you on. Uh, <clears throat> folks, if you missed any of this podcast, you can catch it again wherever you hear your favorite podcast. I highly recommend subscribing to China with Betsy's for free. Um, on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple, just to name a few. I'm on like 20 different platforms. Just Google me, Betsy Wurzel, you'll find me. That's W-U-R-Z-E-L, and you will find me popping up all over the place. And mm-hmm. I would really appreciate it, listeners, if you would share this podcast to help other people. Chatting with Betsy is about helping people. That's my mission and my vision is to help people. I want people to know there's help, there's resources. You are not alone. You don't have to struggle alone. And when you share this podcast, you are helping Matt's memory um, and honoring Matt. Get emotional when I say that, but uh, Matt was the catalyst of, of the show why I started the group, why I went in my car. And um, so when you, the audience, share this podcast, you are mm-hmm. really honoring my husband's memory, and I really appreciate that. So um, uh, thank you. I want to thank everyone been, for, for listening. How long has it been? Excuse me? How long has uh, it been? Two and a half years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, two and a half. Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, I could laugh now, but not that it was funny, but Matt died on New Year's Day, 2020. Oh, oh um, my goodness. And I, Tough time. I see the irony. I see the irony of that day because we got married. We got married on the fir- November 1st because Matt wanted a day where he wouldn't forget. So I picked the first. So what day ah. does Matt die on? First of the month, first of the year. <laughs> he didn't want me to forget. <laughs> no way. No way. I love it. Uh, what a great thing. So I, I, I see. See, this is how you you get to have a set, twisted sense of humor from 10 years of caregiving mm-hmm. for your spouse. And mm-hmm. uh, I just am very grateful. I'm very, I'm very blessed of um, of what I'm, what I'm doing. I, I love what I do. And, Folks, if you um, want to contact Lisa Carmichael, it will be in the blog. Please read the blog because Jeannie White is a station manager. Thank you, Jeannie, for producing the show. She writes the blog, so please read it. And I would encourage you to get in touch with Lisa and read her blogs and join her group. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, who's CEO of Passionate World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible, believes in getting people an opportunity to be heard. And if I have to say so myself, and I'm going to say it, not just because I'm a host on Passionate World Talk Radio, because I have talked to other people, I'm proud to be a host of this station, of this network, because their philosophy, giving people an opportunity to be heard, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be um, a famous entrepreneur. You, if you have a story to tell and you made it to the other side and you want to share your story, you contact me. I will have you on my show. I believe in giving people an opportunity to be heard. I wanted an opportunity to be heard. 
So you could contact me through PassionateWorldTalkRadio.com, um, PassionateWorldTalkRadioNetwork.com, and you contact me, and you can be on my show. So I just want to tell that to the audience. I believe in giving Aww. people an opportunity to be heard. So, um, and you know what? We all have a story to tell. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm in New Jersey. My local stations, then forget it. You can't even... You can't even get a chance to be heard, um, or even newspaper. I had one newspaper tell my Met story. Very difficult, very difficult to get heard. And I know that uh, you know a lot of um, different um, podcasts, a lot of different show hosts. They have certain requirements, and they don't allow. Um, certain people to be on their show. It's, to me, it's not right. Maybe it's not right to talk about it, but I do. I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that people with the story, making it through, you, you need to be heard. So come on my mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. I'll let you on my show. It's a matter of what you do with the obstacles in life. And I think you're doing yes. a wonderful job, Betsy. What a great opportunity for people. So, And I'll pass the word on, too get more listeners to join and listen into the Passion World Talk Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, that's it for today, folks. And as I always say at the end of every show, in a world where you can be anything, please be kind because we need it. And shine thank your you. light bright. Don't worry about what other people think. Um, just keep shining bright. And be kind. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Passionate, not host of Passionate, yeah, I am a host of Passionate World Talk Radio. You're a host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. Uh, so we chat again. Be blessed, everybody. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye now. Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further at the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484-364-1032. Or text Jeannie White, station manager at T H E C O N N E C T S H O W at gmail dot com for a podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.